In this episode of the High Impact Information Podcast, I speak with Matt Wiggler, an entrepreneur based in Miami, Florida. We discuss his background in music, how that led to a business idea helping hotel properties with their live music events, and some of the lessons he's learned along the way. Hi, Matt. Thank you for joining the podcast today. I appreciate you making the time. So I thought a good place to begin would be your journey with music starting as a kid. How did that come about? Uh, So starting when I was a little kid, like I was, uh, you know, eight years old, I I discovered a um, uh, music uh, camp. My parents sent me this music camp in Baltimore, um, where I'm from. And there was a uh, keyboard teacher there that got me really interested in blues music. So I started taking lessons with him and then that progressed, you know, to basically to make a long story short, I started playing music professionally at a very young age. I was in high school playing with uh, some pretty well-known bands in the Washington DC area and um, basically ended up going to uh, music school Got it. And then you moved down to Miami to attend college, correct? Came down here to University of Miami. Uh, the Frost School of Music is is uh, one of the best music schools in the country. And um, sort of fell in love with Miami and, you know, ended up uh, getting a music degree and also getting an MBA from University of Miami. And now I'm, you know, permanently based here. Got it. And during college, you were working at a hotel as a live music performer, correct? So what issue did you observe with this process? Um, the, the, I had a steady gig at a hotel slash country club uh, when I first came down to Miami, which sort of gave me the spark of this idea. Hey, maybe there's a, a business here because there was... Um, there was a music program that I could just calculate by knowing how many of my, you know, fellow musicians were playing there on a weekly basis. There was a, a pretty good uh, budget going at this place. And, and I noticed that, you know, the person that ran it um, was outsourced. So they had, you know, gone with somebody that wasn't working directly at the venue. And this person did not really do it as a full-time business it was just something you know probably as a favor to the management of, of this of this place in the mail it wasn't even from a business account whatever and this and it made me think well i wonder if there's a business here where we could manage these entertainment programs on behalf of a whole bunch of uh hotels and fast forward to today sounds like there's some real validation for this business need in the hotel industry but that hypothesis has been correct i mean we have we have dozens and dozens of hotel clients now. And it's interesting, we, you know, this idea that I saw from having played at these places, turns out it was a real problem that, uh, you know, that could use some solving. And so from seeing the business idea to getting started, what did that kind of look like high level? Well, you know, it started with me, I, you know, I had this idea, I went out and got the first one. And, you know, with this same kind of hypothesis that has panned out as far as what I thought the problem might be that they were dealing with and how 
we could resolve it. And then sort of dual tracking a couple different things while working on the business, right? So how did you begin to realize that this was something you could eventually more fully pursue and perhaps do full time? Um, independently of me playing music gigs, because there was a period where I was playing a lot of music gigs and making some money doing that. And also we were starting to get some clients in the business where we were managing the programs for the hotels. And so, you know, that's a good example of, you know, if you have to piece it together in the beginning, that's fine. And basically when we got the first major client, which was a, which was a major resort um, here in Florida, I realized, okay, if this is a problem that they have, and they had a pretty significant budget, um, I said, there, there must be a hundred other hotels around the country that have this problem. How long was that time period before you could move to MHW Live Music full-time? It took about two years to get to the point that there was enough revenue in the business that you know, I could really do it full time. What was that like initially talking to hotels about how your company could help them with their music programs? What were some of the obstacles that you ran into? You know, it's, it's a good question because although this is a problem that we're solving and, and we've got lots of clients coming on now, I wouldn't say it was it wasn't easy in the beginning to get new clients. You know, people are accustomed to the way that they've always done things. So even if you come and present something that may be more efficient or easier, you know, there's a barrier for them to uh, change anything about the way that they're currently operating. Talk to me a little about the business model. What is the elevator pitch to your prospective hotel clients? Uh, the, the model of the business is the hotel's uh, uh, basically give us their whole budget for their entertainment program. And we uh, have a nationwide directory of musicians that uh, we send out uh, to the hotels. You know, some people want DJs, some people want musicians of a variety of styles. And uh, the real benefit to them is, you know, there's usually nobody at the property that wants to manage it themselves in terms of scheduling different people and recruiting and, you know, they may not even know about music. So we've got a team of music experts. And uh, so there's the uh, sort of improvement in the guest experience where the average quality of the entertainment goes up. And there's also a very significant administrative burden that we uh, relieve them from by handling all of the uh, you know, scheduling and paperwork and, and all of that, all of that sort of thing. With the pandemic that started last year, obviously a big impact on the hospitality industry. How have you navigated your business during this time of uncertainty? It's it's very interesting because obviously it set us back a lot last year when everybody closed. But uh, we saw a silver lining in this thing, which is that there was an opportunity to go out and develop relationships with all of these. Uh, clients that we wanted to work with at a time when most of them weren't really working, didn't really have much to do. And we continued to sell the service full time throughout the whole pandemic. I realized that there's actually a group of people that 
you know, are your decision makers, and they tend to all know each other, and there tends to not be that many of them. If you ever go to one of these annual conferences, which is for a very specific business purpose, you, know, you see the same people every year. And so it's like that. So we said, okay, let's start to develop as many relationships as we can at a time that people, frankly, don't have much, you know, they, they don't have a full house full of, you know, customers that they have to worry about. They're not running around. You know, it was a very difficult time for everyone. But it allowed us to at least get our foot in the door in a lot of places. I think that's a great approach, playing the long game and planting the seeds for customer relationships. So I believe you recently started another business focused on helping clients with business prospecting. Tell me about that. So when all the hotels shut down last year, uh, we had developed this business-to-business sales process for for the first company that was working very well and and so everything shut down and you know who knows we didn't know how long it was going to be before the hotels reopened i had an estimate which turns out to have been pretty accurate i mean we kind of estimated it was going to be around this time where we are right now where there was going to be lots of reopening activity that's has turned out to be true and it's very exciting but business to business sales process and spin it out as a separate company and provide that service to businesses that want to achieve a consistent flow of, of sales opportunities. Um, and that business, uh, Wiggler Group, is also growing very quickly. And we have basically think about it like outsourced sales development representatives. Is there a specific industry focus? There is. We are uh, focused primarily on the uh, on, on marketing agencies, so media, advertising, PR, um, the alignment with marketing agencies is that generally a new client is very, very valuable to them. Generally, it's a long-term relationship. It's a long sales cycle. It develop, it, it, it requires a lot of sort of rapport building and, uh, you know, laying the foundation for these relationships over a long period of time. That's very well aligned to the process that we've set up where we work with the client and we define what's your target market. We go out and research all of the decision makers that fit the criteria that they're looking for. And then we assign one of our reps to go out and they make a lot of calls and a lot of emails. And, you know, the first step is to develop awareness in that target market. More specifically, what are the areas you're helping customers figure out? We're the ones that are defining who the decision makers are, working, it's really the client, you know, but guiding the client through creating these definitions, guiding the client through creating uh, a pitch. You know, I'm, I'm reticent to even call it a pitch, but guiding the client to create, you know, what's your unique value proposition that we can share with these prospects and pique their interest so that they can go over to the next step, which is to meet with you. So then the thing that uh, I think is really important is really coming at every communication and every interaction, understanding what do we think is is the client or the receiver's point of view. I mean, I see a lot of people, um, who are so 
anxious to talk about the benefits and the features and how they can do this and that. But really, it's more effective to close your eyes for a minute, put yourself in the shoes of the person that's listening as best as possible. And really think to yourself, if I were on the receiving end of this, what would be important to me? What would be interesting? What would make me want to go to the next step? Great. Thanks for running through that. Switching gears, what are some of the broader tips that come to mind for aspiring entrepreneurs? Well, one thing for aspiring entrepreneurs is you have to just, you have to start. You have to do it. Because the longer you wait, then the longer it's going to take you to get where you're trying to go. Um, Despite what we see in the news about unicorn companies and you know, it's all the company's two years old and it's worth a billion dollars or whatever. Now, if you know how to do that, then you're not, you don't need any advice from me because, you know, great. But a traditional business where you're selling your product or your service, you're providing good value to your customers and you're, you know, every day you sell another one and you grow the old fashioned way. It takes a long time to reach the level where you're really, you know, fully fledged. And then, you can take a really long time before you really, um, you know, reach the size that you're making a lot of money. Is uh, don't wait too long to sell your first product or your first, you know, version of your service to a customer. I mean, I think a lot of people spend too much time planning and thinking and strategizing, whatever, and then when they finally sell something, they realize, oops, that's not what the customer really wanted. So, the best way is to go out there with your minimum viable product or service and really, really sell it. And that's when you're going to get the customer feedback, which is really what matters. And, and when, you, when you are selling it like crazy and getting customer feedback like crazy, now some of it's going to be negative, right? You got to deal with that. Then sure. it allows you to iterate so fast on your offering and over time make these incremental improvements to uh, you know, reach, reach a really good, uh, level of customer satisfaction with what with what you're offering. Along the same lines, what is a business tip or piece of advice you've picked up along the way that really resonated with you? That really 80% of all business is the same, and the part that's specialized is only 20%. And as soon as I heard that, I said, you know, that's a good point. That's why, you know, the CEO of, you know, Coca-Cola can go and run American Airlines or whatever, you know, the industry, uh, when you're in the leadership role, maybe uh, is, is, it doesn't require you to be, uh, you know, you don't have to be a pilot to run the airline. A final question will be about COVID. What is a quick thought on its impact about how businesses operate going forward? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I will refrain from making any COVID predictions, but what I think is, um, I definitely see in, so both of my businesses, everybody works remotely and the, the really positive side of that is we're not limited by geography in terms of recruiting people to join our teams. Yeah, no, I think that makes <laughs> a lot of sense and, uh, it's something I've, I've seen as well. It, it, to me, it's kind of pull forward 10 years in terms of uh, having a distributed workforce. So 
Uh, if there's any silver lining for COVID, maybe maybe that's it. Uh, so. Listen, Matt, it was really great to connect with you and, and hear some of your insights on, on starting your businesses. Best of luck in the future. And uh, again, I really appreciate you making time to be on the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the High Impact Information Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you know when new content is released. And finally, also appreciate a positive rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks again.